Welcome to the Be Brave podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women just like you, it will help you be brave. Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity in areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences. Today, we're super excited to have Emily Liu with us as our guest expert. Emily Liu is the co-founder of Epic Love Institute, where she and her life partner, Jim Griffith, help couples and singles over 40 build their dream relationships. Emily is the author of two books, How to Permanently Erase Negative Self-Talk So You Can Be Extraordinary, and Climax, Why Great Leaders Need Love Affairs an enlightening leadership fable. To help clients get unstuck, Emily and Jim use the cutting edge transformational models called internal family systems developed by Richard Schwartz and intimacy from the inside out. That was a tongue twister developed by Tony Herbine Blank. Emily and Jim took an unconventional path to life and business partnership. They met the old fashioned way through a dating app. The relationship accelerated quickly because they shared the language of the internal family systems model and was able to vulnerably speak for their triggers and fears. In the first four months of dating, they successfully navigated 14 difficult conversations. In the third month of dating, Jim and Emily joined forces to create Epic Love Institute, where they guide couples and singles to find and heal the root causes of their relationship challenges so they can vulnerably speak for their needs and create deeper connection. Prior to becoming an entrepreneur in 2012 and finding her life's calling as a relationship coach and healer, Emily was a pharmaceutical sales rep for Pfizer for 27 years. Emily is a graduate of Cornell University. Thank you so much for bringing all of that experience and knowledge and education to us today, Emily. We're so excited to have you here to share your parts and our parts and how we overcome all these parts that we develop as a childhood. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is great. I love when you say you and Jim had 14 difficult conversations in what the first first month or whatever of your dating uh, life. And I know that I've worked with Emily and Jim, Alan and I both have, and we've had some difficult conversations, but you made them not as difficult as they might have been. And they're, they really are awesome when you get through them. (laughs) It really, you, you, you guys have been really helpful. It's been great. So Alan, your husband, Kara, and Dave is my husband and Dave and I have also been through coaching with Jim and Emily. And we can say that both of you saved our marriage pretty much. We we uh, don't know where we'd be without the two of you. We, we probably might not be together right now without you. So thank you for that. 
And uh, I'll agree with you, Kara. The conversations can be really, really difficult. But when you know you get to the root cause and you know how to get there and understand why it's even there and wh- how it developed and what it happens. And I think one of the most fascinating things that you and Jim do, one, it's a couple working with a couple. So it's really powerful when, you know, when Jim will look at me and it's all through Zoom and he'll look at me on the computer and say, you know, well, what do you what do you think Dave might think about that? Or when Jim will look at Dave and say, well, what do you think Patty might think of that? Or kind of challenge us from that opposite sex, you know, standpoint in a way where, where for me, it's been validating to see Jim maybe, I don't want to say call Dave out, but maybe, you know, call out behaviors. And the same, I'm sure, is true for Dave when Emily, you look at me and kind of say, okay, Patty, you know, like maybe this is where this comes from in your loving, gentle way. So we can witness that in each other and learn in each other how these parts were developed when we didn't even know each other and now how they show up in our adult life. And we don't understand where they come from because we didn't know each other when they were. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. That's really a good point. Like we have all this stuff that we have carried with us for so long. And then you meet this person, you fall in love, you have this relationship, but you you have this baggage that is essentially invisible. Like it's there, it comes up, but we don't know what it is. We just think, well, she just gets pissed off because of this. Like every time I say (laughs) this, she just gets pissed off. But we don't know what the, you know, the root cause of it is. Yeah, exactly. And, And we start to judge our partners and ourselves for feeling that way. So I think this can be this can be best illustrated by going into the very first conversation Jim and I had regarding like identifying one of our uh, uh, one of our triggers that caused it. So one month into dating, this was like maybe trying to get together the fifth or sixth time, and it, my birthday was coming up. So Jim says, "I want to take." Well, you live in the Boston area. He says, "I want to take you to Martha's Vineyard," and I had never been to Martha's Vineyard. And Martha's Vineyard is one of his favorite places. He said, I'm going to go look for an Airbnb. I said, okay, whatever. And I'm thinking, why isn't he just like looking for a hotel? Why do we need an Airbnb? So I come over and I'm looking at, he has it all saved in, in, in his tabs. I'm looking at the houses he picked out and I'm looking at the price tag, $550 to $600 a night. And he wanted to go for the weekend. And I'm like, wait, he wants to spend over $1,000 on me for my birthday. And we've only known each other one month. This something is not computing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm also thinking to myself, okay, this winter in Martha's Vineyard, some things, you know, a lot of shops and restaurants are closed. Why are we going to spend so much money on Martha's Vineyard when I know like, you know, early in a relationship, I think we're going to be like horizontal most of the time. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, like at least $1,500 to to be intimate just in another. Okay. My logical part is like, this is not making sense. And I felt really uncomfortable that somebody wanted to spend that much money on me so early. I could see if it was an anniversary or something, right? One year anniversary. But wait, this is so early on. So I could tell. No, it was it was the one month anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) I met on Halloween, October 31st of 20. And then my birthday is December 1st. Yeah. So. So it was like, you know, one, one month, one month anniversary. And I could, as I'm looking at the prices of the houses, I could feel my body tense up. 
it, it was like, it was uncontrollable. It felt, my body felt really weird because a part had taken over me. And then all of a sudden, I had the insight to say, instead of just saying, I can't, I can't receive this gift from you. This is way too much. This is way too much. Which some people would have just said, I can't accept this from you. This is too generous. I had the foresight and I had the download like, whoa, wait, there's a part of me, the little girl inside of me doesn't feel worthy of this kind of gift so early on. You know, I'm recognizing it's that part of me that never felt that that daddy wanted to go out of my his way for me, that daddy wanted to make me feel special. I never felt special. And here you are doing something so special and I can't receive it because that little girl inside of me can't, that little Emily cannot receive this. So that part, so you, what you're saying, Emily, is there was a part of you that felt unworthy growing up. You're, we just did an episode with you where you explained to us that your dad was angry and you were the protector of your mom from his yelling and, and emotional abuse to her. Even though you really never received that personal attack from him, he never created a safe place and he never showed you any attention that you were worthy of love or worthy of affection or worthy of being praised or just kind of embraced as a productive family member, even in your in your family, kind of shunned as a female and kind of pushed aside. So how that translated from a child into now your second serious relationship with a man where you felt like, no, I, I'm not worthy. And and you were able to identify in that moment that it was coming from your childhood part. Yeah, I, I wasn't, all of a sudden, I just had that recognition. So how that helped Jim was if I didn't share that, he could have gone into a spiral of a whole different story with himself to say, I must not be good enough for her. I... Uh, maybe, uh, you know, whatever, not enough. And he could have had a triggered moment. But in that moment, because he really understood the core wound that it was coming from, that I couldn't receive that gift. In that moment, he recognized, oh, this is not about me. I made the U-turn into myself. Oh, this is about Emily and her parts. Oh, okay. So we'll figure something else out that she could receive. So as a result of that conversation, then he kind of regrouped and like, how about if I try to figure out something else? I said, okay, something else. Yeah. And then he said, well, how? And then eventually a week later, he said, how about if we do a couple's massage locally? And I said, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll go home and be horizontal. (laughs) 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 So that I was able to receive. And and it was, it it just felt really good that he was able to hear me uh, with that. So, so the message here is that for anybody who's feeling uncomfortable with something, try to make that U-turn into your, yourself so that you can return to the relationship and share what you learn about yourself from that U-turn. You return, you turn to return. Yeah. You said that in, in our previous podcast with you, that when someone else's behavior bothers you, do a U-turn and try to say, why is that showing up? Where is that coming from? Be curious with yourself to try and get to the bottom of it. But my curiosity with what you just described to us was in in your introduction, you shared with us that Jim had already been through internal families coaching and he kind of spoke that language. Do you think that same conversation 
would have had the same outcome if you were speaking to someone who hadn't done that work, who hadn't been through that kind of coaching? I, I think for that particular situation, it probably would have because you're saying it from, I, mean, I was saying it from my deepest truth. So somebody who was not aware of inner child work or anything like that, there might be some people who'd be like judging it to say, what, what are you talking about? What has this got to do with your childhood stuff? So someone without any knowledge or any curiosity towards learning what this is about might have a hard time receiving that message. Whereas somebody who has done the work doesn't, didn't, didn't have to necessarily be internal family systems, you know, and any knowledge of, of trauma and how, um, even, you know, benign emotional neglect, even just, just emotionally overwhelming experience. It doesn't have to be trauma per se. Anybody who has some inkling of what personal growth is, I think could have received that message in a, in, in a good way without blaming themselves. Another thing you said to us in the previous podcast that stuck with, stood with me was, and it's so true, and I know I do this all the time, when we don't have a full story, when we don't know what the full story is, when someone can't be vulnerable with us to share their feelings and we're left to make up our own story for some of us that becomes a truth and it's not the truth it's it's some it could be the furthest thing from the truth it might have a little bit of the truth in it but it's our story not the real story emily i fall i i feel like i fall victim to this in my own family so i'm really curious to hear how you answer this question oftentimes in my family people will make up stories you know about me that aren't true they don't reach out to me to find out what's true they make up these stories and then they share them with other people and that story becomes the truth. And it almost becomes like you're guilty without a trial or, you know, somebody has made up lies about you and now that's the truth and you have no platform. So how do you protect yourself from that kind of stuff? Like how, how does somebody protect themselves? If you didn't share with Jim, hey, this is about me, Jim. This isn't about you. This is about me not feeling worthy. And Jim made up his own story and didn't share that story with you. And that became his truth. How do you handle that? That's a great question. If he made up some sort of negative story about I'm not good enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not rich, whatever that not enough is. No, the story is Emily's. Emily, like, oh, 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 yes. Emily, Emily, like, obviously, there's something wrong with her. Like, why wouldn't you want to come on this? weekend for a thousand dollars i'm just trying to spoil her what's wrong with emily kind of thing does that make sense okay so what you're saying is that what if he had that silent story going on why isn't i'm like spending over a thousand dollars why isn't she what's wrong with her what's wrong with her okay so if he's carrying that silently and the next time we come across some sort of a difficult moment or come across some sort of thing in the house in, in the house like Let's say, let's say I'm used to emptying the dishwasher every day. And then let's say a couple of times I, I miss empty the dishwasher. And then all of a sudden he builds up a story. What's the matter? He, she agreed to empty the dishwasher every day. And now she isn't. He's carrying something from the past. And then now he's noticing something that he wants done that isn't done as an expectation. Then that pain might be projected onto why didn't you enter the dishwasher this morning? This is like the third time you haven't emptied the dishwasher and I have to do, you know, all of this. You could be like, whoa, 
where did that come from? And you don't know. And they may not even know. So when they start to make up a story, why can't you do? And and because he didn't have, let's say if that's what what happened, which you know didn't happen, obviously, and he didn't have the courage to come to me to say, I just want you to know I'm feeling really hurt that you couldn't accept my gift, my generosity. What's the matter with you? You know, and it will, you know, I, I'm just feeling really hurt that I couldn't accept my generosity. If I didn't know the little Emily that was causing that, I could have gotten defensive and said, what do you mean? We've only been dating for a month. You can't spend that kind of money on me. It doesn't feel right. And I feel like I, I, I owe you something. Mm. So it could have been a regular fight. Right. So I stopped that potential fight by knowing my own system. And that's why it is so important in the couples therapy model, the couples version of internal family systems is called intimacy from the inside out. The whole tagline with that is make a U-turn into yourself, unblend from the parts of you that have taken over, get to know your parts, have a relationship with your internal parts so that you can return to the relationship and speak for the needs and the vulnerabilities of your internal wounded inner child parts. Kara, can I ask you a really intimate personal question about this? Like, cause I know you've done the work with Alan. Yeah, sure. Like how uncomfortable is that when you're first learning to speak from in two parts? Was that uncomfortable for you at all? You know, yes. And part of the uncomfortableness for me is, you know, they ask you to like close your eyes and become that part. And I don't think I've ever told you this, Emily. That is pressure on me. <laughs> For a perfectionist, what does it look like? Where is she? I'm, I'm going to know is, her. What does it look like? Where is she? How does she feel? I don't know. I'm trying to find her. And I. Can't. it's a lot of pressure. And Alan is able to do it so easily. And I look at him and I'm like, how is he doing that? Like, I'm not a great at visualizing and I have to visualize this part of me and I can do it. But I feel like my perfectionist is like, what's taking you so long? How come you can't do this any faster? How come you're not doing it right. Oh, I'm so relieved. Seriously, the little perfectionist. I just need like a piece of duct tape to go over the perfectionist's mouth. That's the most uncomfortable part. I don't mind what I see and what I feel. It's that your itty shitty bitty committee, your judge shows up even. Yeah, right? my judge is totally showing up like I should be doing it better somehow. It's so fascinating. And 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 so that is what, what people have to recognize is that when two people, when two people are in relationship with each other, they have parts that are sparring at each other. And we also have to recognize that within our own internal system, we have parts that fight with each other, that itty bitty shitty committee who are fighting. You're like, shut up already. And and in order for us to move through that, this is where we have to say to these parts, like, you know, say to your perfectionist part, um, Kara, like, okay, you guys, this is, there's no such thing as perfection in this, in this IFS healing. It's whatever, however we want to imagine it. Either we imagine it or we could draw it out or use an object. It doesn't matter. It's just, we just have to find a way. So perfectionist part, you don't have to worry. Let me find the way. And judging part, there's no judging here. It's me and my relation. There's no such thing as, am I doing this right? <laughs> okay. I get it though, Kara. When you, when you witness your, you know, your partner 
kind of buzzing through it because Dave's the same way. He closes his eyes. I'm like, how is he doing that? He's so good at that. Like, can I, <laughs> like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I, yeah, I totally understand that. But it's so powerful to witness that in your, in your partner and yourself. You know what? Yes. Because even if you take a part of, let's say a part of, of your partner that you don't like about him or her, and they start talking about that part and where it comes from and why it is the way it is. All of a sudden you have compassion where you didn't have compassion before. You're like, oh, I didn't realize that's what this is about. Like it really softens you. So the next time it comes up, you can actually say, okay, I know this is a part of you I don't like, but I also know where it's coming from. And I just want to point out that this part's showing up and it kind of, you know, it's not gelling with me. <laughs> Your body language is amazing. <laughs> right? You're not saying, would you shut up? You're actually being kind about, hey, this, you know, I don't like that part. Remember, we don't work well together. Can we talk a different way? Yeah, Emily, like you have, to you're our guest expert right now, but you have two people who have worked with you in gym. So, so we have so much to share. <laughs> you know, um, Kara, if it's okay with you, I want to ask a question from our la- last podcast that we did with you, Emily, when we were hearing your story about how you grew up and overcame, you know, some of your childhood wounds. One of the things that you we were talking about was your wedding. Are you being engaged? And are you going to have a wedding? And how you eloped your first time? And you know, all of it, you don't want to be the center of attention and your perfectionist part. Like, I guess us ENFJs have a lot of perfectionism in us. And so how, how would you advise a client that you had that might come to you and tell you, I am madly in love with this man who just proposed to me in the most fabulous way. And now we're talking about where we're going to get married, how we're going to get married. And my perfectionist part shows up and I don't want to be the center of attention. And I'm afraid to make a mistake, how would you coach that person to help them in this in this situation? Right. So anytime anybody feels stuck like that, and and I think we did more of this with with you uh, with you, um, Patty and Dave. Um, we didn't do so much so much with with you, Kara, because when there's a lot of tension in the uh, between two people in the relationship, more than like it. Was there a lot of tension between Dave and the relationship? <laughs> so just saying. There was for sure. There was. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 it's because there's a lot of tension internally within each person. And and so we have to unpack the the armies of parts that are on different camps. It's called the polarization. And and for, you know, since you're in the health and fitness arena, Patty, um and Kara, you're in the you know, organization thing. Okay, I have I have a part of me. Okay, it's January 1st. I need to go and work out and and I'm going to, the parts of me that want to work out and get healthy, we're going to go and plow through it. And, or just like, you know, they, they want to organize their house. We're going to go and hire Kara and do it. But more than likely that person has been stuck in not being able to do it themselves because they have a whole nother camp of parts that are like, no, don't do that. Oh no, no, you're going to get, you know, especially for people who have been sexually violated. Many of those people have uh, a weight protection where they gain some weight as a protective measure to not gain attention again. So let's say if it is somebody with that history, and then they're like, oh, we need to lose 30 pounds and we're going to go to Patty's gym and just work out. Well, if you have not heard from the parts 
that like, no, 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 no. You know what? Losing weight is not safe. Getting sexier is not safe. So the reason why most people, 95% of dieters fail, right? It's because they're forcing their manager protector parts are like, we're going to push through this, but you didn't hear from the parts that are opposed to you losing weight and gaining more attention. So what's going to happen? Eventually, it's all going to come crashing down. The success is going to come crashing down. And we didn't hear from the parts that are trying to keep you safe by, let's say, keeping some weight on because they have great intentions. But because you have shunned them, the more you shun parts of you and not accept it, the louder they will become and they'll come back fighting really hard. So that's why even with my wedding parts, I have parts that want to, yeah, that want the center of attention, but I have more parts that don't want to be the center of attention because that's all connected to the part that is, which, you know, I just figured out recently, it's that feel unworthy of being celebrated. And it was very emotional when I first had that download. Right. I mean, sure. A therapist could have taken me through, okay, what is, what is this about? You have this part that doesn't want to have a wedding. What is its job? Blah, 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 blah. What is it afraid of if it does have a wedding? And then eventually it probably would have revealed that little Emily that felt unworthy of being celebrated. So now that I know that this exists, I recognize this is just two nights ago, like I am that Emily. I am being that part. I have lived, I am living as her. She is not separated from me now. So I need to sit with the recognition that that is actually me. I have to sit with it first because I've been living like this for almost 60 years. How do I live differently when I, how do, I don't know how to live differently to be celebrated in that way. And, and so I have to figure it out. You know, it, it just may take some time for me to sift through that and to figure out. Yes. I mean, ultimately, yes, I want to be celebrated in some way, but I don't want it in the traditional way of, you know, the, 200 person wedding where like, oh my gosh, let's turn and look at the bride. Uh, I mean, that's like, can't, I can't, the thought of everybody turning around like that. Mm -hmm. I cannot fathom that because that's never happened to me as a child. So I have to figure out what would be comfortable for me. And I mean, right now, the thing that's comfortable for me is (laughs) surprise wedding. (laughs) The bride doesn't even know about it. I'm sure that could be arranged. Yeah, right. Uh, Emily, you know what? I I feel like, did we just find for our listeners what IFS is? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure because I don't, (laughs) and I've been on this podcast for the entire time. And I just want to make sure because we jump in and we we talk about, you know, we all know what this is and we've worked with it. I just want to make sure that we're clear about the different parts and we're all made up of parts and, and uh, you know, however, like a, the basic definition of the premise of it. And also, you know, you talk about the parts that get louder if they're ignored. How do you manage the parts too. Yeah. Okay. Manage the parts. So what is IFS? IFS internal family system was developed um, 40 years ago by this brilliant psychologist, Dr. Richard Schwartz, as he was working with eating disorder patients. So the way he was doing it in family systems way, it just wasn't working. So he decided to experiment with different things. And the internal family systems model is built on other types of therapies, like gestalt therapy, psychosynthesis, all the stuff that parts have been talked about for a long time, way before Dr. Schwartz. And he just integrated all of these, these different modalities where, where he added 
the component of the higher self, which some the other modalities did not have. And so the higher self is that inner essence, the inner wisdom in us, the, the best of who we are. When, you, when we're really in a good place and feel solid, yeah, that's really me. The higher self has no agenda. It's compassionate, curious, confident, courageous, clear, creative. It's the eight C's and the five P's of self-leadership. Five P's, present, patient, persistent, playful. So all of those qualities, we really love someone. She's so light and bright and so much spirit. All of us have that. The unfortunate thing is for those of us who have been really traumatized and has not done the right therapy work, when we get traumatized, the more and more we get traumatized, the self gets kicked out of our system for hiding, gets locked away. Because when we were a little kid and we're all expressive, right? Little kids have no filter. Little kids without any filters meaning means that they're allowing all their different parts to be shown. Their anger part, their happy part, their, I don't know, the frustrated part. They just feel free. Then when authority figures and peers start to judge those parts, little girls are not to be heard, but be seen or boys don't cry. When we start to get those messages from authority figures, it shuts us down. It tells our system, it is not safe to be you. So you have to figure out which parts of you need to be front and center to be accepted and validated by others. So some kids develop an overachievement part, front and center, because that's the only way they get validation from mom and dad is they overachieve. And let's say they're an artist and their mom and dad is like, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to be a doctor or an engineer. You're not going to make money as an artist. Put that away. So they lock away different parts of themselves. And when you grow up and you get older and older, parts don't like to be locked away. All those parts of you that you've locked away and you have other strategies for navigating life, such as, well, you know what? I felt controlled as a kid, so I'm never going to let that happen to me again. So I'm going to become a leader. I'm going to tell people what to do. So somebody who becomes controlling, you know, some some listeners may know of controlling people in their lives. This is what is for sure. If somebody is controlling or self-centered or um or so perfectionistic that everything has to, you know, everything has to be perfect, they are operating from fear. These parts are afraid of something. And it's because of what they experienced as, as a kid. So we have these different parts that go into extreme. When parts go into an extreme, then they become a protector. A protector is trying to, it's your self-protection. So overachievement is a protector. If you're always working, you're addicted to work, you're addicted to making money. Whoa. Okay. And that's all you can think about. That part of you has now become a protector because it's afraid of something bad happening to you if you didn't overachieve. It's afraid of criticism or failure. It's afraid of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be poor again. So it's based on what you experience as a child. Some of these parts become the extreme protectors because of getting bullied on the playground. Oh no, I am after feeling bullied and embarrassed and shame, the parts all scrambled together. It's like, how do we prevent this shame from ever happening again? Oh no, we're going to do everything we can. We were shamed for being a skinny little kid. Guess what? We're going to go and work out in the gym. So we're never, so we, we never uh, get made fun of, or we're going to overachieve and we're going to go to college and work for a hedge fund so we can make millions of dollars for, so 
I am never poor again. So when the protectors go into an extreme, that is when it can wreak havoc in your relationships. Wow. Fascinating. It is fascinating. And in order for these protectors to become more balanced and not be so extreme, you have to do the work to find the wounded inner child parts that the protect extreme protectors are protecting. And when the burdens of I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy are un, are released and unburdened, your body feels lighter. You get in connection with the wounded inner child parts that you have forgotten about. And then when the protectors see that the inner child parts are unburdened, like, oh, that child part is out of that playground where where they were made fun of. Oh, it's safe with Emily again. Oh, I don't need to work so hard. Or wait, wait a minute. Oh, so you mean my spouse that gets angry like my mother? Whoa, they're really not my mother. I am seeing that my spouse as my mother, but wait a minute. I have to heal that little girl inside of me so that I could speak for my needs and my partner doesn't have to get angry at me. I didn't know how to speak for my needs. So I got angry at my partner and my partner would get angry back at me. Because when you don't learn what is driving it, the relationship doesn't heal. And the relationship isn't always with another person. I think the relationship first starts with yourself. Exactly. And, you know, one of the biggest things I think Emily brought to me in my life, and it started a little bit before I met you, I went through, and I've shared this with you, a positive intelligence course. And they talk about, they don't call them parts, they call them saboteurs. But it was a very similar experience, which really helped me a lot. But what internal family systems did for me was I I spent so much of my life trying to change myself because there were things obviously that were wrong with me that needed to be changed. And there are definitely things that I didn't like about myself that just had to be changed. And, And I know I'm not alone. I think a lot of us feel that way. Like we have bad parts, right? Parts of us are bad and we got to figure it out. We got to change it. So we'll be successful and loved. And But the book that Richard Schwartz wrote is literally called No Bad Parts. And what you taught me and Dave was not only because there's parts about Dave that I don't frankly don't like and wanted to change. And, you know, I have a pretty strong personality, but he's not broken either. I'm not broken and he's not broken. We just have to understand where these parts come from. And like you said, get to know them, let them know that, hey, you know, really great. You've been helping me all this time and I really appreciate all your help. But guess what? I'm in charge now. I'm the higher self and you can go sit in the corner and grab some popcorn and keep yourself busy. And while you're there, perfectionist part, why don't you go talk to the overachiever part and keep her in check too? (laughs) And then go find the controller part, right? I mean, and you can have a parts party over there, but to get them out of your head. And it's nice to hear that you, the expert who teaches us how to do that struggles with it too. Because I think along with no bad parts that there's nothing wrong with us. We don't need to be fixed. We're not broken. Also comes that neither are you broken, right? And so uh, it just, that was a very liberating part of the coaching from you is to, to get to that place where you can have your higher self, but also allow yourself to have these moments where you're you're sitting here struggling with your perfectionist part but it's okay turn it around be curious about it sit with it and that was the other thing you said that you needed to sit with your perfectionist part 
before you could figure out how you were going to handle your your marriage, your wedding vows and stuff. And and I, you know, I see a, a counselor outside of the couples coaching that we got. And that's the hardest thing. Tracy is always trying to get me to just sit with my feelings. Well, these parts inside me, they don't want to sit there quiet and introspect because <laughs> they're thinking, am I doing this right? Am I getting it right? Right, Kara, the same thing that we went through. So thank you for letting us know we're all humans. Yeah. yeah, we're all humans. We all have different parts. Our parents didn't know. They weren't taught this stuff. So they were hurt too. So hurt people hurt others. And so I think, I don't know if it was the last segment, after I went through hypnosis and all that stuff to get over my father's stuff, I, I internally, I forgave him. I couldn't say it out loud. I didn't have that kind of relationship where I could have this kind of talk. And they're you know, English is their, I mean, it's my second language too. But for me to speak in these emotional terms, they don't understand what that is all about. So it's, it's, I have forgiven him so that when I, after that, when I saw my parents, I didn't feel the anger come on because my ex-husband and I would visit my parents a couple of times a year and he would be like, who are you? Mm. I don't even know these parts of you that, wow, you're a different person. Cause I was like on edge trying to like, okay, is my father going to yell at my mother? And a couple of times, you know, he wasn't so nice to her. And I just like, I had to leave the room because I, I didn't want to get involved. But I internally forgave him because knowing that he was also hurt and um, he didn't have to, you know, say anything differently to me. There's another example that I want to share that really kind of brings this home. Um, I, I want to share the story of, oh, okay. Uh, before I share that, in terms of the wedding parts, just like that other story of Jim wanting to uh, spend the money at Martha's Vineyard, it's the same thing with the wedding parts. You know, he's probably wondering what is taking her so long. She can't decide, you know, first it was going to be in Italy and then, uh, and then, you know, and then all these other different excuses. He could have very well said, maybe she just doesn't want to marry me. Right. And the man will probably say that she's dragging her feet. She's not planning a wedding. But I, you, you have to proactively name the parts. Yeah, there's a part that wants to wants this to be simple and fun. There's another part that wants to elope, but there's a part that's like, ah, forget it, don't elope. And then there's and then and then I have this other part, perfectionist part, and then there's the money part that's worried that uh, it's going to be too much with the cost of the new house. Uh, so, so I'm naming these parts for Jim that are in an internal civil war with each other. So he's like, oh, so that he can understand, he doesn't have to make up any stories. It has nothing to do with him, it has everything to do with me. And so I'll share one more story. Early on in our dating, maybe the fourth date, fourth or fifth date, I noticed that Jim was eating the standard American diet. And here I am a nutrition major from Cornell. And I had to deal with a sick husband. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm liking this guy. But oh my gosh, he has like no clue or whatever. Whoa, how am I going to bring this up to me? This is going to be a deal breaker if, if we are not aligned in healthy eating, right? And so I presented it from, instead of saying, you should eat more vegetables, you should eat better, which is what the previous, the previous woman he was with, she just hounded him on that. She was the first person that came into his life. You know, he's had many relationships. It's the first person that came into his life that actually like said, you should be eating healthier. No one has ever like really critiqued his eating. And because she was saying that using the language, you should, you should. What do we do when somebody says you should to us? Ugh, shame. It feels awful. Yes. Yeah. So you dig in your heels. The parts are like, well, 
You're telling me I should? Well, yeah, maybe in the back of my mind, I know I'm eating too much sugar, but you're telling me I should. Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you who's in control. <laughs> right. So internally, you have that battle. And then in, through the actions, you just like, you know, you just keep eating the way you are. and You're not going to, you're not going to change. So I approached it very differently. And I said, I am noticing, as you know, I came from, you know, I had this with my ex-husband where I was a caretaker. I study nutrition and this is very important to me. This is one of my values. And, and I, I'm scared when I watch you eat the standard American diet. I know a lot about nutrition and it's hard for me to grow old with somebody, especially at our ages. You know, it's hard for me to grow old with somebody when I am in fear and fear that, oh my gosh, some disease is going to get expressed. So it's hard for me to be in that kind of relationship. Would you be interested in learning about healthy nutrition from the experts. I could make a YouTube playlist for you. If you're interested, it, this is an invitation. And if you're not interested, that's okay too. Uh, and just it just means that this is not gonna be the right relationship for me because I need this kind of safety based on what I experienced with my ex-husband and also my knowledge from studying this in college. So, you know, Jim has shared many times because of the way I presented it to him, how I'm scared of falling in love without having, you know, healthy eating as a aligned value. He's like, okay, let me check this out. And he was able to accept it. And, you know, his eating has changed dramatically. And, and then what happened was when I was in the couples training and I asked the trainer, the senior trainer, Tony Herbine Blank, you know, she, she invented this methodology that's on top of the IFS method. I said, why am I triggered by watching Jim eat this, the, you know, a uh, relatively unhealthy diet? Because yes, I had it, it, from my ex-husband, I experienced illness and that really affected me, but I didn't experience anybody dying when I was a child from bad eating. So why am I still affected? I know I have the expertise in nutrition, but why am I so triggered with that? And she said, it's not about the eating. It's about the burden of responsibility. So my question to you, Emily, is when was the first time you felt like you had a burden of responsibility? And I'm like, oh, I had a burden of responsibility to protect my mother. Mm -hmm. So you see how it wasn't about the nutrition per se. So I was protecting my mother. And then I had the burden of responsibility after my husband suffered his heart attack and trying to caretake him. And he wouldn't listen to my nutrition knowledge. He just like, nope, you don't have an MD after your name. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to take pills. And I probably didn't say it in the right way. What did I know? I was scared shitless, right? And here I am, another situation, potential situation where I, I am trying to protect myself from prematurely being in that place of having that burden of responsibility again, of being a caretaker again, prematurely. Fine. When we're 80 years old and we get sick, that's a different story. Right now we're 60 and 65. And I want to live at least 20 years of healthy before I have to deal with any of this stuff. So like, whoa, I get it now. It's the burden of responsibility from childhood, that feeling that is informing my never again do I want to have a burden of responsibility. So now Jim recognized that, oh, this is where it's coming from. So great. So fascinating. I love it. Emily, while you're while you're talking, I'm, you know, I'm internalizing all of this. I've been through so much, you know, of your coaching and and had that great experience. And I could also remember 
my first round with counseling or coaching at any level was in 2003, I think it was, when my husband was diagnosed with prostate cancer and he had his prostate removed. And if you know that, you know, he was 44 years old and we were young and and uh, it affected our life, you know, our sex life, our intimacy a lot and and him as well. You know, I can remember going to this counselor and her wanting to get in touch with my childhood. And I was like, listen, you know, and I, I had trauma in my childhood. I'm like, that is in the past. I've already dealt with that. Like, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Like, I'm trying to push that as far away from me as possible. <laughs> you want to talk about that? No way. And she told me then, you know, like, if you want to be healthy, basically, if you want to be, you know, I think she got right in my face and said, hey, listen, you teach people how to be physically healthy all the time. I'm telling you, you're not mentally healthy. And when you're ready, let me know kind of thing. But, you know, how you got me there, because I guess maybe it was 20 years later and I recognized that this is, hey, you know what, things are really getting in the way. There's got to be something to help that I was willing to go back to that place. But Kara, man, closing your eyes and trying to get in touch with that part is so hard, Yeah, especially when you don't want to deal with it. When you feel like you've already dealt with all of that crap, mm-hmm. but really, I think we deal with it our entire life and, and it just gets that part rather than being a big giant becomes like the smaller person or the smaller voice that you could hear, but it doesn't take you over. It doesn't take your emotional self and spin you into a person that you're really not or don't want to be. So I think as much as most of us don't want to go back and uncover our wounds as a child and deal with them, we have to if we want to be mentally healthy. Yeah, mostly healthy. And and like that part that I didn't feel worthy of being celebrated with. Yes, it brought it when I first recognized it, it brought on a lot of tears and and we have to sit with it and let the emotions let that part blend with that part, be that part and help her release the pain. So I, you know, there's still more, I need to, to like keep crying and release her pain so that I could finally work with her to say, okay, now we are with loving people that want to celebrate us. How, okay, how do you feel about having a wedding? <laughs> we have to re-experience the pain in some compassionate way with them. Yeah, I guess if you've been living with the hurt, this little Emily's hurt for almost 60 years. I guess it it was a little silly to think that it's all going to go away like this. Like, but now that you've realized it and put your finger on it, that's huge. And I'm sure it'll go, it'll be leaps and bounds, make it a lot quicker for you to actually come to a resolution or a decision or, you know, just like, as you said, sit with it and really feel it and heal her. Right. Right. Yeah. This part that just doesn't, doesn't, you know, doesn't feel like she wants, she deserves to be celebrated. There's another part of me that's like, oh my gosh, I just want to have my, my tribe, my community, you know, have you guys in my presence. I don't want like the people I haven't talked to in you know five years to be at the wedding. It doesn't mean anything to me. I want all these special people. And then I'm also like, okay, people are so spread out. I got a friend in London, a friend in uh, Switzerland that I really want there. I have, you know, you guys in Florida. Okay. Where, where should we have this thing? You know, that's. <laughs> well, by, by tomorrow, you'll, I'm sure you'll be on blended and have it all figured out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Emily, 
for our listeners, like who might be listening to this, what what would you suggest? Like, you know, sometimes we don't even know that we need help or sometimes we can't even identify what's going on inside of us. What would you say would be the clue that maybe you want to seek someone who does internal family systems coaching? That's my first question. And my second question is like, I'm just thinking about sitting with your feelings and going back to your childhood parts. And I have a family full of people who would be like, that's ridiculous. So why would you ever do that? And, and you, you know, you're so, you know, like, and, and so that judge has been in me too. That same judge has lived in my head. If it were me years ago, I would be like, like I was no way that's behind me. That's ridiculous. I don't need that. But really that's exactly what I needed. And had I started 20 years ago, feel like I'd be so much better off now. And I know the teacher can't appear until the student's ready. Yes. But how would you help us get ready for something like that? Identify it and get ourselves ready for it so we can be our best self as soon as possible. So you have to be ready. You have to want to change and change. Fear of change is huge. There are seven stages to the fear of change. The first part, and, and Patty, in your, in your you know, personal training business, you may, you may come across this. The people who have decided to, to now train with you have already reached that, that, I think it's next to last step on taking the action. But some people, before they get to you, they have pre-contemplation or contem- I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Okay, I'm doing research on it. All right, I need to read like 10 books on how to build muscle or how to lose weight. Okay, I need to gather that information first before I actually take action. Then if they're hesitating to take action, that means a part, fear of change part is in the way of them taking action. They're afraid of something. So the question to ask yourself is, how satisfied are you in your health, in your romantic relationship, in your career, and how much money you have in the bank? You know, granted, we could always have more money in the bank, but if you have some money in the bank, and you're living comfortably, and you might have a part that says, you know, if I just had $10 million, I would be so happy. Question to really ask yourself is, would you really be that much happier if $10 million was dropped on your lap? And for most people, they're like, is that going to change my emotional state? Well, maybe temporarily, but is that going to take away the angst I feel about myself? Is that going to cure your self-esteem problems? Are you satisfied with the closeness or lack of closeness in your romantic relationship? And do you want to live like this for the rest of your life? Or are you going to regret not doing something about it? And how often do you try to point your finger that way to blame the situation or to blame the other person? Because when you point your finger that way, you got three pointing back at yourself. Even if you are complaining about your mother who is not nice to you, and yes, some mothers or fathers can be not nice because of their unhealed childhood wounds, and they are trying to get validation from you, their kid. That's why they're on your back, and that's why they want you to talk to them every day, because they're seeking validation too. Instead of blaming your mother, yes, she has parts, controlling parts or nagging parts, that are not good. Make the U-turn into yourself. What are you going to say to your mother that can help to shift the dynamic? Instead of sparring back and forth with her, what can you say about you and how you're feeling? How do you state the impact that her words or actions have on you in a very vulnerable way? 
to say, you know, mom, I, I get that you are concerned for me and that you have lots of advice for me. I listen. And I also want to tell you that I'm 35 years old now and I can make my own decisions and I'm going to make my mistakes too. So I feel like a little child at times when I talk to you. Would you be open to just listening to me and not judging me? It, it would feel so much better for me, these interactions. I would feel calmer. I, da, 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 da. I know I have a part too. I know I have been defensive and I, I just want you to know, I, I acknowledge you want the best for me and you want to give me advice, but I have a part that wants to, I want to make my own mistakes. And would you be open to interacting, interacting with me in a different way? Because if I continue to hear this part that criticizes everything I do, I'm going to have to limit my interactions with you. So you name their behavior or whatever it is that's ticking you off and say, I'm going to, and then make the U-turn because that part of you doesn't feel safe for me, I'm going to protect myself and limit my conversations. If I repeatedly hear, why why don't you? Well, you should do X, Y, Z. That's not safe for me. And I'm going to refrain from talking to you every week. I just can't. It hurts me too much. I need to protect myself. Acknowledge their great intentions. You know, just like that book Patty mentioned, no bad parts. They may be criticizing. Yes, that is a part that doesn't feel good, but that part is trying to accomplish something with you, the daughter, because your mom is afraid of something bad happening to you if she didn't put her two cents in. Yeah. It sounds so simple, like so many things in life, Emily. Yes. You know, it sounds like what you're saying is to get in touch with your feelings, be vulnerable and speak about them, get in touch with other people's feelings, forgive them, have grace and just create some boundaries for yourself. Yes. And it's, it's so it's simple, but boy, I, we all, the three of us know how hard that is. And it gets easier, hopefully, as we get better at it. But um, it's not easy. And it's because it's not easy, a lot of people, I think, won't do the work. And then you have to find other people who did the work so you can have a healthy relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's some things that that your listeners can start to uh, start to do to embark on their journey. Because you don't know what you don't know. So what you have to do is you have to learn what you don't know. So they can try to read my book, Climax, by Great Leaders Need Love Affairs, if they uh, like to learn through storytelling. Or they can Google internal family systems and you will get taken to the IFS-Institute website, which has the video of Dr. Schwartz as he tells the story of how he found this miraculous way of getting to know your parts and healing from them. And then there's the book, No Bad Parts. And then you could also go to my website that I have with Jim, epicloveinstitute.com. We have a whole bunch of videos that are on there. And we also have a YouTube channel by the same name that talks about how to save relationships. And we teach teach the uh, the concepts from, from the internal family systems way of understanding yourself. So the more you become aware of you, the more you understand your system and the wounds that drive your parts, the, the wounds that inspired you to become who you are. And like, oh, so when you have compassion for yourself and your parts and have, and have done some healing on them, then when you notice your partner, your boss, your mother, your sibling who are acting in ways that are like, boy, that just like, I don't want to deal with that. 
you can have more compassion. It's just their parts. Their parts are in fear. Okay, I have to stop judging their parts. I just have to get curious, not furious. That is the hardest to do for my for me to do with my family of origin. And I think it's because we're all wrapped up in the same parts sometimes mm. from the same trauma. Right, right. I mean, I, you know, I have I, I, I have a couple of family members that I like, whoa, wow, that part is loud. And because I know what's going on, like, okay, I used to judge this particular family members like, okay, that's just a part. They didn't do enough of the right therapy to get to a better place. So I'm mm-hmm. going to stop worrying about it. And Emily, you and Jim also offer a free consultation. Is that right? If there was somebody out there, couples uh, that wanted to um, just see if it was a good fit, you and Jim still offer that free consultation. Yes. They could reach out to you at Jim and Emily at epicloveinstitute.com. Yeah, they could go to our website, epicloveinstitute.com, and there's a button that says request a free consultation. And there's a bunch of questions um, we would like you to fill out. And then if if it seems like it's a fit for us to get on Zoom, we will reach out and um, see see how we can help. We, we love meeting these um, these couples, but also singles work with us who have been in bad relationships and they're divorced and they're wondering if they should date. I mean, the other day we just had a conversation with a woman who came out of a pretty bad marriage and we made her feel really safe. And she shared stuff that she has never shared with any, just bad trauma growing up. And we're just, ugh, our hearts just sank. And then we understood why, even on the phone call, she had so much tense masculine energy. She wasn't, it's like, whoa, you know, when, when you notice women who are like really, really like with a hard edge, you're like, well, I mean, f- from our systems, like, well, what happened to them? And then as she revealed more and more of her story, we're just like, oh my gosh, oh, no wonder she has that protective armor. And she even said at the end, I don't know what my life would like would be like if I took off this steel cage I, that is that just surrounds my body. Wow. And she has a part that's okay. Now that she sees the possibility of talking to us and healing, now she has a part at the end. I said, are there any parts of you that are hesitant to actually move forward? And she says, yeah, my fear of change part. Whoa, now that I see a possibility for real change, I have no idea what my life would be like if I actually changed to a softer version of me. I've never had to live in that vulnerable place because I've always protected myself. Wow. So yeah, she got to a place where she couldn't take the pain anymore. She couldn't. She just said, oh my God, you know, my my ex-husband is still after me for more alimony and he stole money from her. It's like lots of anger. And then she told us about some of the stuff that happened to her as a kid. And she was shipped away from another country as a teenager to live by herself at boarding school. I was like, oh my goodness, just all that abandonment wound that she's never addressed. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then there's a part of her that says, ah, I could be alone. I didn't need a relationship. And then there's another part that's like, do I really want to die alone? And, she, you know, she's uh, she's in her 60s. And 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 so we just created the space for her to feel safe, to share all of this. And then we're reflecting back for her, like, this is what's really going on. And so those consultations are are really, it can be really therapeutic for, uh, for the potential clients, just for us to hold space for them to share their deepest pain. That in and of itself can be transformative. And then when they get some of that knowledge, like, 
oh, do I really want to do this? Then they have to make a decision on whether or not they want to move forward. You do some great work, Emily. You really do. You and Jim. I mean, it really was awesome working with you for the sessions that we had. I know that. And just hearing about some of your other successes, I know you never, obviously you don't share. We decided to share that we worked with you, but you don't, you know, share who your other clients are. You just, you know, describe some things that some successes and things that other people that are going through, which, you know, I'm sure other, our listeners can relate to, but it really is, it can be transforming the work that you're doing, which is awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. We, we really enjoy this work and, and Jim, you know, when you're, when your listeners going on our website, you can see that both of us have had corporate careers and Jim retired from a 37 year high technology marketing career. And he never thought he would be a relationship coach and (laughs) opportunity just dropped in front of us, you know, with one of our mutual friends, you know, who asked, asked us to, uh, like, can we hire the both of you? And Jim's like, what? <laughs> I'm not trained in this. I just retired from my marketing career. Yeah. So that that's like a divinely orchestrated thing where the universe is like, okay, it's time for you guys to band together and help all these other couples. So when we do the work, when we believe in ourselves, we want something and we don't have to figure out like, how am I going to get there? When we believe in ourselves, the universe like, okay, I'm going to time all of this stuff like up here. We don't have to figure out how, how it's going to be done as long as we believe in ourselves and we're not attached to an outcome. Like my first business partner, I was too attached to an outcome. When you're attached, when we're attached to an outcome, we're coming from fear. We are afraid of something. If we're, oh my God, we're grasping, we're grasping. And because I wasn't grasping with Jim, everything just fell into place. So that's the message for people is like, when you do this work, things will open up for you. Yeah. Just be open to what does come up. Yes. Again, I just want to mention one more time, epicloveinstitute.com is your website. If people want more information or to contact you, and what was that line from Brene Brown that you wanted to say? Oh, right. The um, one day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. I think you've given us a lot to think about as far as, you know, and a lot of tidbits for a survival guide based on your um, your experience, Emily, and what you're, what you're coaching. Thank you for having me on this podcast. And I, you know, thank you for allowing me to share this story. And hopefully that will inspire others to do their work or just to get curious about internal family systems. Once you learn about this, it can really change your life. I'll just end with one little tidbit of a story. I had a neighbor back in my old old neighborhood who came to a social function and she just like came up to me and asked what I did. And then before I knew it, she ended up getting my book. And two months later, she messages me on Facebook. Your book has changed my life. This was the first book, How to Permanently Erase Negative Self-Talk. Self-Talk. I'm like, uh, who is this? I don't really recognize. I didn't remember her name. <laughs> this was a neighbor I really didn't know because it was like, you know, 20 houses away. And she says, yeah, do you have changed my life. I, I've been living in separate bedrooms with my husband for many years and really mad at him. I mean, we're not meant to be together, but your book has allowed me to see how our parts have gotten in the way. Wow. That's great. And it shifted her internal state. And now she had a better understanding of why her husband was showing up in the way he did. He was showing up instead of blaming him. She's like, oh, that's affecting me in this way. 
and and then she went and got IFS trained as a result of my book. And now she she she, she is part of uh, she helps out in the training programs. And and so, yeah, just reading, reading just one of these IFS books or even watching a YouTube video of Dr. Schwartz talking about this. It could really help to shift how you see people's behaviors. You could, you'll see it from a much more compassionate place as opposed to a judging place. Awesome. Thanks, Emily. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman you know who needs a little empowerment. Now go out in the world and be bold, be brave, be you. Perfectly imperfect you. With love, Kara and Patty. If you say what you want to say Yep, hold on. Please hold as I look this up. Mixed and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com. If I mess it up, we'll go again.